Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Breakout Con 2019. Episode 210, What's Off-Limit for Games? Presented by Nicole Winchester, Mo Turkington, Misha Bushiager, Sharang Biswas, and Jonea Camper, with moderation from Jason Pitt. Alright, shall we get started? No. Let's get down. Welcome to the hunt. hunt. You can make a game about that. Sorry, go ahead. Welcome uh, to the uh, Breakout Con 2019 panel on what's off limits for games. Eyeballs. We have a hands <laughs> on the game. Uh, we have. Um, uh, I totally want to do a game about optometrists. Uh, I will be your uh, uh, moderator for the afternoon, and I will be taking any questions that you might have for our esteemed panel and our esteemed panelists. So if you have any questions, just raise your hand and I will come over and collect it silently and then I'll be able to present them. Uh, we may have time for a Q&A at the end, but we'll see how that works out. We have a relatively cozy crowd, so please feel free to move closer to the front so it's easier to hear, uh, if need be. Although um, we are pretty good at projecting, too. Oh, so. yeah. yeah you can hear us from there. <laughs> You're foreign. Strong's foreign. We're all foreign here. We're all, yeah. yeah. Except, except for these two. Except for the two Canadians. <laughs> okay. so. We're very sorry. <laughs> um, so, why don't we start with the introductions. From left to right, Sharang. Uh, who is a award-winning, multiple award-winning game designer from New York City, who won the Indie Groundbreaker Award for uh, his game Feast, which also, I believe, won an Indiecade Award, uh, and is working on a large number of projects, including one that I hired him for, because he's glorious and fantastic. Uh, he's my so boss, technically. <laughs> Only on one project. That's a good review. <laughs> uh, we have Nicole Winchester, who is one of the brilliant minds uh, from the Toronto scene, writer, uh, broadcaster, I believe, or former broadcaster. I uh, I used to work at CBC, so sort of, yes. <laughs> I help the broadcasters uh, in social media. Yeah. So, media uh, superstar. <laughs> mogul. Um, media mogul. Uh, and overall fantastic person, uh, uh, Nicole, oh. we we have Misha Pushager, uh who is, in addition to being one of the heads between New Agenda Publishing and their fantastic game Orun, which is currently in development awesome. and will be coming out soon after an amazing Kickstarter, is also the great mind behind uh, Black uh, Black Girl GameWorks, mm-hmm. has worked on a dozen or so yeah, projects here and there, and is one of the linguists behind uh, More Voices at the Table, a newsletter that everyone should be following. We have Joanna Kemper, who is equally fantastic, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, LARP specialist. Academic. Academic. It sounds so weird, but it's true. She has a, she has a degree in LARP. I do. So, and debt. Dr. Lark <laughs> uh, will be presenting <laughs> Dr. Uh, Lark, the heavy truths of bleed and sad things. Uh, and on the note of bleed and sad things. <laughs> That's a segue. <laughs> Who needs no introduction, but shall be introduced anyways, (laughs) because I believe that currently, at the time of this recording, I think Rosenstrasse will still be running, depending on how I edit this, Um, which is currently the game of uh, mid-20th century uh, uh, Jewish women and, sorry, uh, German women and their Jewish husbands 
uh, in uh, Berlin. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like late, late 1930s? From 1933 to 1943 in the rise of the Reich. Uh, yeah. You can um, back that on Kickstarter right now. For yes, right next, up until this evening. Until oh, 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 right up until this <laughs> evening. Yes. Fantastic. So, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, if there's a backer kit, you should be There will in. be a backer kit. Yeah, yeah. Jump in on the backer kit recording. <laughs> buy the game. Jason, put the link in the, in the buy, recording. Buy, buy, buy. <laughs> yeah, put the link in the notes. Yes. Or go to the notes and buy, yes. the, and buy the game. Shenanigans. Uh, and if you're in this room right now, you can access it at kickstarter.games. Just, it's a link. It goes there. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Uh, so, this panel is about the things that we can do in games and the things that we should do in games and the things we should not do in games. So, for instance, we have had a delightful uh, recommendation that eyeballs are a thing that we should not have in games. <laughs> I personally think games eyeballs should include eyeballs. I Isn't don't think they should be excised from games. <laughs> no character in any game should have eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in a pure eyeless game. It could be done. There are a couple. There are a couple. Yeah. There are many. Uh, <laughs> there is the LARP of playing slimes. Yes. There's still life. Your rocks. You don't Yes. Yeah. yeah. It would be the bird box game. Oh, the bird box game. Play that outside. Uh, yeah, don't, don't drive and with your blindfold. That's yeah. Cool. So, exactly. um, so let's start with a quick thought from each of our panelists. Uh, let's snake it back around. So, Mo, uh, what are your first thoughts on what should, sh uh, can, should, and should not be present? Uh, so uh, when uh, when I was asked to join the panel, my, my first gut response is it was it was phrased as "What's off limits for games?" and my answer was absolutely nothing. It just depends on how you do it, uh, which I, I think will probably be a popular opinion in this room, but may not be a popular opinion anywhere everywhere. Um, I think that content and approach to radically different things and how you design your games is far uh, has far more constraints than what you should and shouldn't do versus what kinds of games you can make and how those things constitute as games, because I'll fight you if you say my games aren't games, and what should be there. And what should be there is a general sense of uh, dedication to the alignment of your, the design of your game and the content of the game and the sensitivity of the game and the players that should be coming to your game. And so very context dependent. Wow, thanks for answering for me as well, Mo. Um, for, on a serious note, I, I do really agree. Um, and it is actually a very unpopular opinion. Uh, and I'm very, very aware of that. The internet tells me so. Um, however, uh, when asked what do I think is off limits for games, I then ask, because I can't help myself. Who is making the game? Why and what are you trying to make your f players feel? Um, because at the core of it, many things can be off limits if you're not approaching them from a very genuine standpoint and you're trying to do things that are not above board. Um, but nothing is off limits if you are really, really thinking about it, if you're really, really going into it with a very clear-cut purpose, um, and that purpose is, you know, can be varied. Um, yeah, there we go. Uh, as far as what should be in games, content warnings. That solves a lot of problems. If you tell people what it is you're gonna do, and get their consent and their buy-in, and mm -hmm. the, yes, I am willing to approach that topic today. Great, uh, but for the most part, what should be in your games? It's what, who are you playing with? Uh, you know, I'm gonna have very different parameters for what I'm playing with. You know, eight-year-olds and what I'm playing with, like eighty-year-olds and what I'm playing with, like my peers. Uh, so, it's it's a matter of for me, it's a matter of consent, uh, for making sure that you get the buy-in from your players. Mm -hmm from the other people, and you are a player yourself, so if, if there's something that your players are pushing for that you don't want to do, it's okay to not do that thing in the game right now. Um, and then make sure that if you're designing a game, that it's from the perspective that you want to present. So as long as you're, like you were saying, as long as you're intentional about it, and you're doing it respectfully, and you're doing it thoughtfully, 
it's pretty much on the table. Just let people know what you're doing so that they can opt in or out mm. as, as they need. Uh, actually, I think it, it's kind of interesting because we all agree on this, and a lot of people do, but they don't agree on it for the same reasons, I think. Mm -hmm. um, when I announced smart. I was going to be on this panel, uh, someone tweeted me and said, everything's allowed in games, how can you have an hour panel about that? <laughs> um, and I knew um, from the dude who was tweeting me that he meant that in a very different way than I did, um, just from how he was coming at it, et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of replied, well, some people agree with that, some people don't. You have a discussion, you know, some people ask some questions, voila, an hour has passed, you have a panel. Wait, so he was like, the games should discuss everything, but panels should not, was basically... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? But, you know, he's like, the, the question has been answered. Um, but I, I feel like some people are like, everything should be in games because nothing is offensive. And people, we're on and this. Games are political, right? Yeah, and games are political. <laughs> games are political. Games are to have fun. Games are blah 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 blah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Whereas a lot, I think everyone probably on this panel will end up agreeing. You may have a slightly different opinion. You're an artist, so I know he comes from a different perspective. But also um, that that we're all saying we're all saying because uh, they're all permissible because it's art, because games can address these things, because games can address serious issues because of all those things. But there are people who come from it because games can do anything, because we can game about anything we want, because screw you guys for telling us what we shouldn't game about. Um, so I think, yeah, intention is good, transparency is good. Mm -hmm. um, thinking about the culture that you are working with is good. Uh, we might talk more about that, but cultural differences um, in terms of what you game about can really cause issues. Um, so, uh, two things. So, uh, one, uh, I think it was Damien Hurst, right? When he made the mirrors made of the blood of people with HIV, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He like collected blood from HIV and then froze it and turned it into a mirror. And this, um, Damien Hurst is a major award-winning contemporary artist, right? And so some people were like, this is really powerful. We are reflecting the image of the gay man or queer person back onto themselves and is made with the blood of the people who donate. He didn't like steal blood from like... No, 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 no. Right? <laughs> it was <laughs> gathered. Right, right? And so but some people were like, this is really powerful. And then some people were like, what the hell is this? This is awful. Go back to putting sharks in formaldehyde, you know? Put, put, um, yeah, and do that... That created a lot of tension, and that point I want to make there is that, you know, it's always about interpretation. And mm -hmm. I know I spoke about this at the Asian panel, I repeat myself a lot, because I like the sound of my voice, um, that it, it is a lot about interpretation. That very, sometimes you make a thing that you think is great, and then like, you know, this whole panel will be like, that is such a good thing, and then this whole row of two people uh, will say, <laughs> no, it's actually awful, and you know, there will always be divergent opinions. But the other thing I want to say is, when you ask the question, what should be in games or should not be in games, mm -hmm. a lot of people are not answering that question. They are answering what should be frivolous and what should have gravity, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah, yeah. to many people, and this is, to, I would say, to most people, um, games are, like one of you were saying, not meant to discuss things with gravity. Entirely. The point of a game for many people is frivolity and, mm -hmm. and fun in, in that sense of the word fun, right? Fun can mean lots of things. Um, you should read a theory of fun. Um, but, uh, and, and to many people, and, and that's fine, right? I love playing games for frivolous fun reasons. I don't always want all my games to be about suffering and the human condition, which is not to say that those games don't have unconscious arguments that designers put in by virtue of being humans, so all games are political in that way, but the intention isn't necessarily let us discuss the refugee crisis in Darfur, right? Um, um, and so that that question only, I think, especially after hearing all this, um, becomes important to people who don't think about the artistic um, mission or the artistic uh, purposes mm -hmm. that games can have. And mm -hmm. the media, of course, exacerbates this, right? Uh, when Mary Fangan came out with... Um, that she made a bejeweled sort of game, but instead of bejeweled, it's you're laying off workers of the same oh, time, yeah, right? Cool. It's called layoff, right? I think 
game mechanics wise, it's not all that great. It's not groundbreaking as Bejeweled, right? But it's interesting because now you're taking three workers who do the same task and firing them all, right? Which has a different procedural metaphor than just three mm -hmm. gems and I steal them or whatever, or three <laughs> candy pieces I sit on or whatever. Um, um, and so that uh, went on the news, and they're like, "Oh my God, Mary Flanagan is making a game about the." It was, it was 2008, right? In America, mm -hmm. that was when the big thing and the world recession, right? And so people are like, "Oh my God, recession game!" It's you're making fun of it when Mary Flanagan is like, oh, "Bitch, I have a PhD. I'm like." in discussing important issues here. I haven't ever fit, you know. Um, she didn't say bitch, she's very quiet. And so, yeah, the question, uh, the answer to that question depends on what you consider games to be. And not, I'm not saying you are ignorant um, because everyone doesn't know lots of things, right? Yeah. Few people know everything. I would argue no one knows everything. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that, 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 who you ask in the question is important, and that what what they think your question means is important. Sorry, two entirely. Points. No, no, totally. Uh, so was there a common question, or can I throw a provocative question at you, at you folks? Yes. Do you mean me in particular? Because uh, this I, eye you, contact you were, is you, like you, yes. Okay. You, you were making. <laughs> Excited gestures of <laughs> That's because that's because two things. Doctor Larp always has that. I always do have that. <laughs> if you Lark. think Sharon likes to talk, ooh, ooh. Um, but Misha was also making fun of me, and that is okay, in a good right. way. Yeah. Okay, so then I will throw a um, a discussion starter in your direction. So oh, there nice. are a wide variety of different games that exist. And some of them are on the extreme of uh, subject matter and can actually be causing real harm to the people playing them. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on games such as Train mm -hmm. or uh, such as um, uh, theoretically, Bluebeard's Bride, but um, that's less of a focus right now because that one actually has clear. This has content. Um, how about Fight Truck? So, so train. Can I speak? Yeah. yeah. Are you yeah. talking about Randy Romero's train? No, I, I'm yeah. like googling. So, right here. so <laughs> train is interesting. It's by I forget her name. Randy Romero. Randy Romero. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So train. So if you don't know train, train started the trend of surprise your Nazi. Different game. Uh, oh. Uh, where train is a game. So what? Context important, right? Train was not meant ever meant to be a game that you would ship to people and they would play, right? So Consentical started the same way. It was never meant to be shipped to people and then she, she changed it. Um, mm -hmm. um, Train is a board game. Uh, it's, uh, I haven't played it because it's only played in the conference or gallery setting that when Ben Romero ran it. And it's basically a game with a stack of cards. You're like transporting people that like these yellow figurines. Um, from place A to play B, place B, and you like draw cards and things happen. Um, and at one point, there's like a thing that like you have more people than you have space on the train. What you do with the people? The game doesn't tell you. You're like, okay, some people are like, oh, I'll stuff them on the train. Some people are like, I'll throw them away. It doesn't matter. Blah blah. And then oh you draw God. the last card, and the yeah, last card says. Uh, a surprise, well I didn't say surprise, but surprise, basically, it's not surprise, it is meant to be a, a heavy game, it is not like a game, right, and you draw the last card, it tells you, you are like train conductors uh, taking uh, people to Auschwitz during the third Reich. So you were taking Jewish like prisoners to Auschwitz. And the purpose of the game, this, this is the, the question I think that um, that is coming out is, you are not told at the game this was the thing. The purpose of the game, according to Brenda Romero, is to make you feel complicity. And yeah. the idea is good people can do bad things if they're not paying attention, not asking the right questions, and if they're just doing things blindly. And that people, as you know, biologically, we could say we're social animals, tend to just go with the flow. When people say, do this thing, you just do it, right? And so the question here becomes, this is a game without content warnings, because the purpose of the game was not to have a content warning, and is that okay or not? I think that is... A big question with train, and I know people want to speak now. Well, no, I just think that's so so very different. That's so very different from like a, a gotcha moment because there are games where you'll play, you're playing it, and you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, this is in the. 
there, there are LARPs that are like this, right? Uh, show up to a Western LARP, standard yield Western LARP. Whoa, whoa, do you realize how racist and sexist and homophobic you're being unnecessarily? There are no contexts. Yes, it happens, trust. Uh, there's no warnings on a game when you show up. And they're like, yeah, so um, if you do this, the consequence is that we hang you in the town square. And you're like, wait, wait, wait what? <laughs> and there are, th- those I think are gotcha moments. I think those are, are problematic game moments when you're not giving people warnings in games that should have warnings. But in this instance, if the end goal is complete to feel complicit, you can still put that in the same structure of what did the designer want? What did the designer want to make people feel? And what are they going to do after? And I feel like that is super important when dealing with heavy topics or topics you may feel are off limits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and even with this one, I think if you add, like I said, cotton work. This is a game designed to make you feel complicit. And then you can still have all the rest of it. As long as you know that that is a potential thing that could be happening to me. Yeah, that's that's perfectly a valid thing to have. Just let them know up front, you know, this is going to, at the end, it's going to feel, it's going to seem like fluffy fun, but at the end there's going to be something that, you know, make you feel complicit. Okay. It seems like the I layoff game, but yeah. just sort of like yeah. not knowing about what you're doing until yeah. the end, it would be like surprise yeah. layoffs. Oh, yeah. well... I was, you know, instead of getting rid of people's jobs, yeah. you're just, um, you know, doing something And I looked worse. at Fight yeah. Truck to see yeah. what it was. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're apparently queer punks, uh, no cassettes allowed, and you're beating each other up in the back of a U-Haul. But it, it's not seem safe. It says it's a and LARP it you're not it's supposed, supposed to, to be safe. It what? says it's not even supposed to be a LARP sh- anyone should play. Yeah. Like, it says this is a LARP no one should ever play. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that? No, but I don't disagree I with that, why they it. Yeah. I also don't disagree with people writing things for the purpose of writing things as an artistic exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, as a designer, wouldn't necessarily publish something that I don't intend for people to play myself, because I would say publishing it, if I was like, this is not safe, you're going to get fucked up, and potentially, and I don't think <laughs> yeah. you should do it. I would not personally publish it. But at the same time, nothing that you are doing here is not something that somebody might not just necessarily do anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, if, if, yeah. You know, this is like, yeah. it's like jackass, really. Yeah, it really is. You like, know, it, 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 like people might come up, you could search for it and look at it. It's a Golden Cobra game, mm-hmm. which is a competition where people support uh, uh, submit freeform LARPs. If you just search for Fight Truck LARP, it'll come up. And, yeah. and Golden Cobra is a great thing. They submit... Uh, within a month, you have to design a short freeform LARP within some design constraints. Uh, With we've certain got, themes. We've yeah. probably all submitted one. Won it, I think, a couple of times. Yeah. No, you haven't. Oh, great. I've been too nervous. So. You've been too nervous. <laughs> I've I done won, it. I've won other things. You've won other things. <laughs> Everything else. I, I, I think there is definitely a, a, a space and a importance of. Uh, of publishing uh, a game that is explicitly this is a game that is not to be played because that that makes a lot of interesting artistic things like that uh, it was popular last year the game for zero players um, yeah, yeah, yeah. what's it called uh, I can't remember. A real game? I love how I'm like, which I don't remember. It's like a sci-fi game. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tragedy of GB. That one, yeah. It's like it's like a game where, where the instructions say, um, shut the door to this room. You are not allowed to go inside it. Inside, the ga- inside that room, there's a game going on about all these things. And all these cool things happened. You will never know what happens in that room. And it's a game that you don't sure. play, right? But Clearly, it- yes. Yes, <laughs> clearly it is a it is an, it's an artistic state. It's a piece of conceptual art, mm-hmm. right? Same thing I would say with uh, I always forget. I was like food truck. <laughs> I, make I like that. Because I make I make a lot of games about food, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so um, I would say, I would argue that fight truck is possibly an artistic response, an artistic way of making this panel, right? Like I'm making this game that I don't want you to play. Are you going to play it? Um, if you are, I told you not to play it. Uh, it's, it's an interesting thing, like what can a game play or not play, and who are you, and where, where is your agency, as someone who's experiencing art, to dictate what, how you want to interact with the art. Like when Maria Abramovich is standing there, and there's a gun on the table, uh, and you are allowed to shoot her, 
you are allowed to shoot her technically within the magic circle of the art, which will break very quickly because the police will arrive. But you know, um, but that's the same thing, right? Like, you are allowed to shoot me, are you going to? But in, in this vein, because we're gonna stay on this quick example, when you make a game uh, that you said, no one should play this game, don't do it, right? You also have to take responsibility. There is always going to be someone who tries to do this thing, mm-hmm. right? Always, like there. It, it, just because you said, you yeah, should. just because you said you shouldn't, yeah, yeah. and like you can't tell me what to do, I'll do it, right? And in that example, and in that performance piece, there was also a knife on the table, and she was cut many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. people actually hurt her, and she stood there. And when people were done, they were shocked at the capabilities of what they would do to a stranger. Yeah, what right? people did to, um, oh God, why did it, uh, Shia LaBeouf too. Yeah. In his um, performance piece, he had to quit doing it because people, they were able to do whatever they wanted to him and, and they, they did. And it was shut down after like 24 hours or something yeah. like that. So if you give people the option, yeah, they will do it. I agree with Misha, maybe, that they're gonna do something dumbass and stupid anyway. But yeah, if you put something out there, that was why I was saying I might yeah. not necessarily publish it if I'm like, this is unsafe and I don't think people should do it mm. because I feel like I would bear the responsibility if it was like six LARPers died in a U-Haul because of this. And I'm like, well, shit, somebody played that game. And <laughs> okay. that, oh, okay. fuck, yeah. oh well. Well, I think but we have a yeah. really underdeveloped, uh, underdeveloped set of skills, both in design and play communities, especially in role-playing games. So we, we tend to come from this background that says, you know, we play for fun. We all, you know, we, we, most of us LARP for the first time at six, six years old in our backyards. And, and we played D&D when we were 10. And, and, you know, they were a source of fun and entertainment and that sense of frivolity. Mm-hmm. But then we, when we start moving into games that approach serious topic matter, approach political themes, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that the D&D games you played when you were 10 are not political because they damn well are. Um, Everything's political. But but when you're intentionally crafting an experience that is meant to charge people to think Mm -hmm. or to act or to do or to learn or to any of those things, we start to A, have to need to develop a better sense of of, of language around why we're approaching games, what we want out of those games, is this game meant to be fun, is it meant to be frivolous, is it meant to be a gotcha, and we have to start developing a way to talk about and analyze, to look at a game and say, what is this game's relationship with the thing it's trying to do? So. There are games that are well-crafted. Brenda Romero's game is actually really well-crafted. And it asks, makes you ask questions about, when I only stop and think about the resource management question in front of me, and don't ever think, why am I doing this thing? Right. Then I'm going to do things that hurt people. But then that game also is played in an academic context and has an after discussion that happens. There's a transference need for it. And a lot of games have things like, I want to be a game that does this thing that that feels like a justice issue, but then the approach to that game is entirely based on gratification at punching a Nazi or gratification or, or playing the fun, weird workings of how our communities fall apart without actually looking at how, while selling a message that mm-hmm. says we should stand together. Like those, the, there is a fundamental lack of uh, across the board context when we start to look at why we play, how we play, how we design games, and what we're doing when we do them. Yeah, I I wasn't gonna bring this up even, but now I'm going to do it because I'm thinking of an interesting mechanical thing. Part of the reason I talked about this panel was around uh, the redesign of Vampire and Masquerade. Because- Like V5? Yeah, V5. Because um, I know people who worked on V5, I also know people who are upset by V5, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a good redesign for the most part, but um, there's a lot of things in Vampire that are antithetical to what you're trying to do with the game. Um, or what you, the experience you want out of the game. And one of the most interesting things I found from reading the game and just reading um, reviews of it was they have um, feeding, like basically feeding styles where how you're a predator because vampires are all predators. And one of the styles they put in, I think to make people feel better about this is they have a consensualist, which is you get people's consent to feed from them. 
But uh, this guy pointed out writing in Polygon after he did a play test, even if you have consent from someone, you are still forcibly taking their blood and sometimes like wiping their memory of it because they don't, they can't know that you're a vampire. <coughs> so even so, you're still like not really giving them agency as a person, you're removing their memories, you're doing bad things to them. Mm -hmm. So even if you're trying to play a good guy vampire, there's really no way to do that. And uh, so all our all our games are full of these justifying guns. Yeah, right? yeah, it's this, like they give you the, the the reason to be violent. They yes. give you the past to be uh, transgressive. They give you the things because that's where the fun is in those games. Yeah, and and I mean, if you're playing a monster, that's cool, but you have to find ways to like face up to that as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, and giving you a consensualist thing is like giving a pass, right? Oh, you can play a nice person. Yeah, you can be okay with it, and I'm like, no, it's just I feel Meanwhile, like you should take that yeah. out because you're just you're. Yeah, some people have said vampires it. are rape, rapists essentially. I mean, vampire mythology, a lot of it is about sexual abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is, or right? it's about repressed sexuality or yeah. something. Like yeah. that. I mean, so that that's a couple of things that I think are very complex, right? Like Janae's point about the artist's responsibility, uh, I wrestle with sometimes, right? Oh, because yeah. you can, you can, you, because if you take that too far, you're like, oh, a person who wrote a murder mystery and then someone who like yeah. copycats them, yeah, yeah, how yeah, responsible yeah, yeah. is the author for that, right? Like they wrote murder mystery is that, or, 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 or even better, a, a more complex example, a person who made a documentary about an actual murder, just documenting it and puts it out there and then someone's like, that's cool, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Right, Ted so that becomes yeah, like Ted Bundy. Everybody's watching. The right, 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 yeah. right, and, and, and that's <laughs> complex because there you're like, well, are is the artist someone responsible? Like, there's such a thing as like you know human agency. Like, that it wasn't meant to be that. So that becomes something you like wrestle with. Are all many of you are game designers and artists? So I know you wrestle with. You probably wrestle. I don't know anything about you. You probably wrestle with. Well, one of you, one or two of you, I do. Um, <laughs> Uh, so that's, uh, I think, really complicated. Also, um, the, and, you know, I try and take people, artists of their word, um, something I learned to do in grad school, <laughs> before I'm like, that's stupid. Um, <laughs> uh, um, so I, I know that a lot of people, and like people I know who, you know, are very well-intentioned and worked on games like V5, right? Mm -hmm. um, that they would argue, and you could argue this about games like perhaps Bluebeard's Bride, um, the point is to like explore the dark corners mm -hmm. of what humanity does and is capable of, mm -hmm. and then think about that maybe, right? And like Movies Bride very explicitly like is about it is a game about domestic violence mm -hmm. and sexual abuse. That is yeah. what the game is about. That's what you're. Going that is what you are right on the tip. Right? Like the mechanics of the game discuss domestic violence victims, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you as the GM are going to do horrible things and you are going to make this character do worse things, right? Like a lot of the game is, and now you must beat this child to death with this rod. Are you going to do it? Um, and sometimes they will, <coughs> right? Um, and uh, so, the, so the, some of these, I don't think we're saying games shouldn't um, make you be morally gray or bad mm -hmm. um, because mm -hmm. many games do that and, and some oh, people I, argue I love being morally gray right, yeah, right. And, and many people argue that that is the point of vampire the point of vampire for many people again caveat everyone experiences things differently right like the, like the blood mirror um, which sounds like a fantasy thing now sorry um, I want to put one in um, but uh, uh, like a lot for a lot of people, playing vampire is about like what what makes us human by playing what makes us inhuman, right? So there's a lot of talk about using, for example, the civilization game to teach why is nuclear war bad. Try doing a nuclear war in civilization, see what happens, right? Um, and so uh, again, this whole question of the context comes to, context comes to play, and we do justify a lot of violence and make it for like D and D, which I think all of us have played and yeah, all of yeah. us have had oh, fun yeah. with. We're yeah. killing kobolds; it's no big deal, right? Yeah. And all of us have had fun with it. We cannot lie and be like, "No, I felt bad for every time I killed someone," mm -hmm. right? I mean, to be fair, at one level, you're like it's a fictional thing. Um, <laughs> well, I think we really start to need to start to talk about like differentiating what we get out of games. Why Why we go into games and why type, we get out of games. Oh, can I jump in? Yeah, can I jump in? Yeah, yeah. Go, 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 go. Yes, Dr. Lark. So, play theory. 
<gasps> okay, ah. so Homo Ludens is a really good book um, by John Huizinga, who is uh, a play theorist and like the father of play theory, well, whatever. The point is that play, what we conceive of as play generally is wrong, right? We think play, fun, happy times. We do happy things when we play, okay? Um, in my, in my, one of my many lives, uh, I was a preschool teacher uh, for seven years. And within play theory and with like Howard Gardner and we start talking about Vygotsky and things like this, how human beings grow when they play, uh, small children come up with the darkest games. Okay, they want to play murder. They want to boil their friends in oil. They want to throw them down the stairs. They want to do awful things. My my Barbie's had a whorehouse. Yeah, so did mine. Mine had a full whorehouse and a penthouse. Shoot, we should not think about that. But, (laughs) however, the point is, when the 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 thing of <laughs> the thing of play, um, our main instinct for play is that we are exploring the confines of our social realities. Mm-hmm. That's what small children are doing. They're learning that you know what. I can't really do this in real life. I can do it for a pretend, but I would not do this in real life. It's wrong. Because when you hurt someone when you're doing, when you're playing, someone comes and talks to you about it. There's a scaffolding presence of usually an adult, okay? Or someone who is in who is going to teach you how to be in the social places that we are, the social hierarchies. Sometimes that's really good and sometimes that's really bad. That's how you learn your internal internalized racism, sexism, homophobia is when someone tells you, you know, you can't play that. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But when we play, our fundamental instinct, when play, as a side note, is older than civilization, everyone plays. uh, Flanagan argues that games are the oldest art form in humanity. Yes. Mm Um, and so it's more, it's important for us to change our definition. And I feel like Mo's been saying this, like we're all saying this. It's important to change what you think your definition of play is. It doesn't necessarily have to exist only in this, okay, it's going to be fun and it must be fun. Yeah. Uh, kind of situation. We're not actually ever thinking what fun is. Exactly. Fun yeah. For me, yeah. So like, I've had fun games where I am wish fulfilling games. I'm playing something, somebody hot and powerful and in control. I always play hot people. And, it, and it's, and it's fun after a week of shitty work where you felt mm-hmm. disempowered to just have a game where you just had to do anything. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not the default state of and play. There's the, there's the type two fun. The, oh, there's not even. I don't even want to go to type two fun because oh, okay. that's not even what it is. That's the, the, that's the advanced form of this game. <laughs> But like for a lot of for me, when I actually think about my best enjoyments out of games, it's exploratory. I'm learning something about me as a person, about the other people around me, about the world that I live in. It's one of the reasons why I'm so into historical games, is because they posit the question to me: What would I have been like if I was here? What would I do if I was in this situation? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, play is, is ultimately it's it's low stakes practicing. Yes. yes, you're practicing a social situation that has, you know, that doesn't have these giant real world consequences. The stakes are low. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> I made a stupid decision. All right, I can walk away from the stupid decision now. And I know not going forward not to try to make that super stupid decision in my real life. Yeah. So, and, and, so sorry, and then that low stakes practicing is key to the concept that everything is political, right? So yes, if you are yeah. practicing fascist thought in games, like you, like not even like Nazi thought in games, just like I only have this one belief and it, it can only be this way and this is <laughs> the world, you, then you're practicing it. Sorry, but if you, sorry, go on, I could talk for you. Go. <laughs> don't don't worry. Like okay. I, I am very experienced with talking over people. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so uh, Victor Turner in his like classic writing mm-hmm. uh, talks about. About r- rituals yep. um, and many games can be considered ritual lenses. There's a ton of writing about that. But rituals um, affirm social norms by mm-hmm. allowing the yes. ritual participants um, to break social <coughs> norms. Right. Okay. Now the interesting thing is that the point of in his argument, and I haven't read all his work. Um, that's a lot of work. I'm not an anthropologist. Um, uh, the point is you allow them to break the social norms in the liminal stage so that you reinforce what's actually the norm in that society. So that's interesting in this discussion because the, you can argue, so people talk about um, games being very good to cause positive emotional affect and teach you things. 
you can then, if that is true, then games can also teach you a lot of negative things. And that gun violence argument that people keep fighting about um, uh, in video games actually has a smidgen of merit, not necessarily in the same way that everyone's going to now pick up a gun and shoot people, uh, but like, what are we teaching people if we're just normalizing this? And are we building their relationships again? Right? Um, and so the same thing with this, with this V5 argument, um, it, it, you don't want the missing piece of are you uh, are you doing the transgressive act in order to actually teach the act that you want to normalize, or are you just the transgressive act without the discussion or without the thinking, so that you just get desensitized to the violence? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, there are th uh, there's one question related to that and two audience questions that we should get to. Okay. Uh, one of which is on the V5. That's a delicious segue <laughs> to uh, Chechnya. Mm. Oh, oh, the, like, that was what okay. I didn't want to talk about. That is a about. specific example. Which is very personally affecting to many of us on this panel. Oh, uh, yes. So, um, can, would someone quote notes uh, the issue there? I, I can do that because um, I, yeah, I can. I see both sides here. Um, did you want to describe what? Yeah, the, there was a chapter in the book that I actually did read. Uh, it was in the Camarilla book. Um, so it was not in the main V5 book. It was about um, uh, what was a cool idea poorly executed, I think can, is the best idea to say. Um, the idea was that in, um, instead of like using the normal idea of Vampire the Masquerade has all these cameraless cities around the world and they're ruled by princes and blah, blah, blah. They had uh, different kind of ideas of how different vampires in different parts of the world ruled things. And in Chechnya, they decided that uh, there was a vampire state, and instead of saying, oh, the vampire state is there's a vampire and the vampire controls the human and blah, 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 they made an actual real life dude a vampire. Um, and Like uh, a, a real historical, mm -hmm. contemporary. Yes. An actual person. An actual yeah. pure person. An actual they, person who is currently alive. It's like you, if yeah. you said yeah. Trump is a vampire, that kind of Yeah, like yeah. if it was like Donald Trump is a vampire and running the United States. Yeah. Uh, that's basically what they said. So he's a Chechnyan military guy who's who has a part of the thing. And they said he's a vampire. Um, he's doing all this stuff. They're like hurting humans and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And there was a piece, and, and it, it's a cool idea to say there's a vampire ethnic state and like there's not discrimination based on whether you're a vampire or human. It's based on what, you know, ethnic kind of tribe, et cetera, you come from. And so there, I'm like, this is good. This is good ideas, et cetera. I kind of like this because vampire has been super white and not really had cultural specificity in terms of where things are. So I'm like, where is the problem here? And then you get to, there's a, a piece in it that basically says that um, they're uh, persecuting gay people and it's sort of uh, uh, excuse controversy to cover up the vampire. So if you don't know, in Chechnya right now, right now. gay people are being put into concentration yeah. camp-esque situations yeah. in real life. And this has been happening for quite some time. Yes. Yeah. Like People are aware of this. The, in Canada, there's an organization that has been bringing people from Chechnya. They're called and the Rainbow Ra Railroad. Yeah, they're called like Rainbow Railroad if you'd like to look them up or donate. They've been doing it for over 10 years. They've been doing it from countries around the world um, and and like part of my frustration with it is people who were like this is happening and blah 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 were people who had just literally found out that it was happening in yeah. Chechnya and then decided to get angry about it because these vampire people are evil and bad and blah 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 and look they're doing this and I'm like well this has been happening for a long time and and so the argument is it was poorly done, and, and you shouldn't, you know, use gay people as a prop and an mm -hmm. actual real-life mm -hmm. situation as mm -hmm. like, oh, this is this something is a vampire, this is why vampires are bad and stuff. On the other hand, it raised an incredible amount of awareness for what was actually happening in yeah. Chechnya because no one was actually paying attention yeah. to it anymore. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that was the intention. No, that was not, not, that intention. not the intention. The intention. Had that been the intention, that would have been one thing. Now, the situation but. is, um, no one actually has, there, there's um, mystery around who wrote it now. No, I didn't write it. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure the person who wrote it was, has, uh, he, he ran off to Georgia, the country, some time ago for some reason, I'm not sure why, and was making an attempt to, you know, be in with his 
Russian brethren. And uh, uh, I, that, I think that that's what I he, thought wrote that. Yeah. And, and he thought that that was his sort of attempt. And I think he said that at one point and deleted a comment. And, and that's about it. Ooh, so, that's shady. So a couple comments from the audience that we should get to. Uh, when it comes to games and art, is it better to have the story finally out there or hold it back until it's safe and appropriately presented? What do you mean by safe? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's I, that sounded question. super aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, can, uh, so I'll just. Can I jump in really quick? Yeah. Okay. Um, so there, uh, I'm going to tell you a very, very, very quick story. There is a LARP uh, made by two people in the Nordic countries, um, Tor, and I never pronounce. Tor. No, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna. I was gonna say Tor's last name. Oh. Uh, oh. Uh, oh. Tor, yeah, Shettle and uh, Hannah Grasvel. Um, they created a game called Just Little Loving. When it was first presented to me in class, um, I thought it was. It's a game about the 1980s and the AIDS crisis. A big and 363 day LARP. It's a big 363 day LARP. As someone who has a father. Uh, who had a father who had HIV, who was very uh, affected by the HIV crisis, who has lost many people. Um, I The things I heard about that game and the visuals I saw for that game looked as if they were completely trashing uh, what I thought was a very important and visceral experience. So I confronted them. And they told, and every participant I'd ever seen, that had I talked to, told me it was the most beautiful experience that they had ever done. One hundred percent. They said it was I've the best single LARP experience they had ever done. So I did it. It was the best. <laughs> it was amazing. It was Phenomenal. so amazing. I did it again. It was so amazing. I'm writing character sheets for this year's UK run because it's that important. But the thing is, they didn't keep it back until it was safe. They released it and learned. So mm -hmm. every iteration of that game gets better and better and better because mm -hmm. the designers are open to hearing critique. Mm -hmm. They knew that they needed more people of color. They knew that they needed more uh, context. Mm -hmm. They And every single year, they redo something about that game mm -hmm. and they let people do that so that it can be the best it can be. Sometimes it's best to get out there and be open, even though it's really, really scary. Just be open to the crit critique and know that it's coming. If you are going to do a game and you think it's going to be controversial, be open to the critique. I will probably be the person critiquing you. Uh -huh. But like, like any, any um, question like this, yeah. it, you can't give a binary yeah. answer, right? Yeah. You want to, of course put some thought into the safety yeah. of your game before you release it, right? Yeah. But then there's the extreme, because you can also be like, this game will never get released because I'm always going to keep thinking about it. Exactly. So. I just want to say, if it's not safe for you, um, then wait until it's safe for you, because yeah. I we all have stories that it is not necessarily safe to say at this point in time. So there's that one final question, and we'll do that, and then uh, end things, because we've got another panel coming shortly. Are there tools or approaches that make it easier to include heavier content in games for children, such as ages 10 to 16? Hmm. What kind of content are we referring to, I guess would be the, the question there. Think about games like Underground Railroad. Mm -hmm. It's heavier stuff, mm -hmm. um, not, you know, rape and like stuff that maybe the kids aren't ready for, but heavier historical content that they're <laughs> going to be exposed to in school, or stuff they're seeing on the news. So I think one thing we do as a society is think kids are a lot more stupid um, than they actually are. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, when I watch, kids are ready. Okay. For if I I watch, I really really enjoy Steven Universe. Steven Universe talks about domestic abuse. And so not domestic abuse, like uh, toxic relationships, mm -hmm. right? The Steven Universe talks about heavy content, but in like not violent and not, well, there's violence, but you know, it's slightly different, but in like appropriate sort of ways for the age group. So you, so one thing is, you, 
you can very much make games for younger people um, about these issues. I know you believe that um, because we talked about this. Um, uh, but um, one, so I'm gonna just use one thing that we did in Just Little Loving, for example, uh, and this is probably maybe skewing a bit more for the older age group. Is every day before play started, is we had like context setting mm -hmm. where we read passages of How to Survive a Plague together, and we talked about what is going on in the time period at this point and how are people feeling, and then we had. Uh, someone who had HIV and an educator talked to us and we had someone who was alive at the time period and lost people who had HIV. So like, I think context setting in short is a good thing. Either at the start or at the end have a debrief, like what did we talk about? Like what do you think about this? And I think it's very important to ask the question, what did you think about this to children? And not just, this is what is thought about this topic. Yeah. because. Um, when you're teaching, especially children, you want them to question and, and develop critical things yes. and then respond to those difficult issues and give them space to respond to those difficult issues in their own way. Yeah. Please also make it relatable. Uh, I'll be super quick. Please make it relatable. Um, there were children were running on the underground real world. Like 10 year olds were in the fields. Like we don't, we have this false idea of what childhood is. Childhood is a new and brand new spanking new concept. Um, children were doing heavy work. Children were dealing with heavy things. Children have always and are dealing with heavy things right now. Um, trust them. Yeah. Uh, I've got an eight and 11 year old, so I feel where you're coming from, but kids are bright. I mean, if you look at the Harry Potter books, they deal with themes of, uh, child abuse, they deal with themes of racism. death, they deal with themes of racism, they deal with themes of bullying, and this is like, you know, the most popular kids series or, around. Or Hunger, Hunger, Hunger Games. Hunger Games. I read Hunger Games yeah. and I was traumatized and I was yeah. like, how are 13 year olds yeah. reading this book? Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, oh my god. Yeah. And like, uh, my kids, we, we listen to, to NPR in the car because I'm not a music person. So they know what's going on in the world around them and just answer their questions honestly. Yeah. You know, you don't have to make it like high level, you know, this, but bring it down. It's like, you know, be honest. Like, hey, mom, we're sitting at the table, dinner table. My kid asked, well, so if two gay guys can get married, how do they have sex? I'm like, do you want the real answer? And so then I told her. She's like, okay. That's all I didn't know. And that was, you know, that's how one, one sentence to this the things is really, it's less how to prepare the kids to deal with it and how to prepare the adults to run it around them. Yep. Now, because we're probably over time. Um, <laughs> no, we got some minutes. So, from left to right, please plug where people can find your stuff and, my left uh, and right. contact people. So, <laughs> uh, so left to right, let's oh, go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my name is Sharang Biswas. You can find me on Twitter at Sharang Biswas, uh, which is spelling my full name. It's, uh, my Twitter links to my website, which has everything I do. Um, you can find my stuff at, I'm at Noise Angel, N-O-I-Z-A-N-G-L. I will put some business cards, also ferrisstapestudios.com, and I have a chapter in the New Expanse book. Uh, blackgirlgameworks.com or BG Gameworks on Twitter. Uh, Jonea Kemper, you can find me at Violet Riot Games, uh, which will link you to lots of my essays on my own website and my Patreon. Uh, Moira Turkington, you can find me at unreallydesigns.com, and this, these are postcards for the Kickstarter that's active now. If you'd like to uh, take one or pass them along, I'd appreciate it. And thank you all for coming. Thank you all for presenting. Thank you.